Matthew chapter 7, and today in Matthew 7, we're going to be looking at this theme of judgment. Right on, right? Don't judge me. That's the call. And so here's the reality is that today I think we find so many people carrying this attitude of judgmentalism out, right? People today are so judgmental, and I can tell just by looking at them who they are, just by looking at them. Nail it. No, it's, come on. But don't we find that more and more today where people are quick to call you out just based on silliest of things like what you're wearing, uh, you know, where you're from, right? We live in this kind of council culture where people are quick just to kind of can you, to judge you based on things that they don't really know about. And, and oftentimes, again, very unwarranted. But as we see today, we're going to see that there are times where, yeah, we're not to judge, but there's also places and times where we are to judge. And so we're going to look at this instruction from Jesus to kind of differentiate between these two things and learn a little bit more about that. Here's what we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 7, the first 12 verses. We're going to see our responsibility when it comes to judging and carrying out these things. We're going to see our responsibility to believers, our responsibility to ourselves, our responsibility to unbelievers, our responsibility to the Lord, and then our, our responsibility now to the world. And that's what we're going to be breaking this down as and looking at here as we go through this chapter. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask for your strength, guidance, and help in looking at this word. And, and again, just may it reveal your heart and, and just do a work in our heart, Lord, and making us just come more in line with who you are, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. So verse one, here's what we read. Matthew 7, verse one. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now, this is probably one of the most quoted verses, wouldn't you say, in the Bible, where people that don't really know the Bible love to quote, this is the only thing that they'll know about the Bible, but they love to use this on you, right? Anytime that you come in and have any kind of conversation about spiritual matters, maybe their need for Jesus, what do people love to say? Hey, don't judge me, man. And what they're meaning by that is like, don't, don't put yourself in that place of, of condemning me or being intolerant towards me. And they use this verse, don't judge me, as a way to try to validate their lifestyle, their way of living that is oftentimes contrary to the word of God. And so we see this oftentimes. Now, we're gonna see, like I mentioned, that there are times where we don't judge, but there are also times where we are called to judge. Now, that word, judge, in the first verse is the Greek word krino, and it means to Judge as guilty. It's like you're laying down, you're not just kind of making a, a, you know, a wonder, a call. You're like saying, this is what it is. And it means like to discriminate. It's where we get our word critic from, this Greek word krino. To be very critical, to be very harsh. And that's the way that we can oftentimes find ourselves being, being very critical, condemning of others. But here's the thing is that this is not the way that it is to be for the citizens of the kingdom. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is pointing out for us is this kingdom way. How are to live as citizens of the kingdom of God? Now, here's some problems that are going to arise when we're those that are quick to judge. First of all, when we judge, we too will be judged. See, if, if we're walking around complaining, judging, critiquing others, well, what happens is we come across oftentimes as very just harsh, critical. We become the unloving holier-than-thou people that others love to be judgmental towards, right? And so 
the way that we oftentimes act around others is what we sometimes will find coming back towards us, right? And not to mention that we're also recognizing that we're going to be judged because the Bible says that one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be judged by the Lord ourselves. It tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 10 to 13, but why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So we need to be careful. We need to be careful when it comes to judging because we have to recognize, man, in the way that I judge, it's gonna come back to me. This is the whole principle of, of you reap what you sow, right? Now, let me, just, let me just qualify this a little bit by saying that judgment that we stand before the Lord as believers is not the judgment for are you going to heaven or not? That's already been taken care of at the cross because God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to take the judgment of God for our sins. Jesus took the very wrath and the judgment of God upon himself that we could be spared from it. And by putting our trust in Jesus, we no longer now are, are reserved and we are exempt now from the judgment of God for our sin, it's taken care of. But that judgment that we face is simply an evaluation of what we've done for the Lord. And everything we've done for the Lord is gonna be rewarded for an eternity. Everything that was just done for ourselves or done in an in, in a ungodly way is just gonna be burned up, gone. So it's like what we do for the Lord counts and that's what we are judged for basically. So understand that, that we're gonna go through an evaluation ourselves and we need to be a little bit more understanding when we're quick to come with that kind of critiquing and judgmental attitude towards others, right? So oftentimes it's gonna come right back at you. There was a story of a barber that was just very critical and just very negative about everything and everyone ultimately. Well, he had a regular customer, a businessman, comes in for his, his regular haircut, tells the barber, hey, I'm getting ready to go on a big business trip to Rome, looking to you know, do, do some work out there, close a big business deal. And the barber says, oh, you're going to Rome? Oh my goodness, what hotel are you staying at? The, the businessman told him, he goes, oh, that hotel is terrible. Oh, that's just so, I heard that just nothing but bad stuff and reviews about that thing. No, you know, no comfortable beds there in the hotel. What airline are you taking? The barber said, he told him the airline and the guy said, oh, that, those planes are awful. Seats are so crammed together. The food is, is horrible. Oh, it's gonna be awful. And uh, the man's like, well, listen, I'm, I'm hoping to close a big business deal and I'm hoping to maybe see the Pope. And the barber's like, oh, come on. The Pope only sees important people. Well, the guy goes on his business trip, comes back next time for his next haircut. And the barber's like, hey, so tell me about your trip. How'd that go? And the businessman said, well, oh man, it was quite surprising. The airline was just awesome. Great service, comfortable seats. The food was good. The hotel I stayed at, oh my goodness, I had like the best seats there. It was awesome. Barber says, well, I bet you never got to see the Pope. And he says, oh my goodness, did I not only get to see the Pope, man, but I got to go right before him and even kiss his ring. It was amazing. And the barber says, well, did he say anything to you? Well, yeah, he said, the Pope looked at me and said, my son, where did you get such a lousy haircut? You see, we can be also critical, negative, and, and fail to realize that that oftentimes comes right back at us here and how we need to be careful of that. Here's another reason not to judge. Secondly, our judgment is off because we're off. 
We're not, we're not complete. We're not perfect. Look at what Jesus says in verse three. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's the problem of the human heart. We tend to think of ourselves so much better than we actually are, right? We, we don't find it very, you know, or we do find it kind of hard to sort of critique ourselves, to really, you know, look at ourselves honestly. And we tend to overlook sin in our own lives, but be drawn to that sin in other people's lives, like a, like a fly is to a carcass, right? I mean, we just kind of harp on what we see in other people and fail to realize that those are the same things that we're struggling with ourselves. In fact, the things that we oftentimes finding ourselves struggling with are the things that just begin to glare out in other people where we're quick to kind of point the finger and go, oh my goodness, look at what you got going on there. And we're quick to jump on those things. And so Jesus, in a very humorous kind of example, I love that about Jesus. I think Jesus loved to have fun, right? And in a very humorous way, he says, listen, you guys are so quick to just kind of harp on the little piece of sawdust in another person's eye when you yourself have a big old two by four hanging out of your eye where you're like clubbing people over the head with it and making more of a problem of things. How do you not see that? Is what Jesus is saying but you're so quick to point out the little speck in another person's eye. You know, David, King David, was a good illustration of this very thing, of seeing the faults in other people, but overlooking the faults in his own life. In fact, what does David do? David goes and he commits adultery with Bathsheba, and then trying to, you know, cover his tracks, clean up the mess, he goes, maybe I'll just have her husband, you know, killed off so that, you know, we can be together and everything. I mean, like, let's go from, you know, bad to worse type thing, right? And so he puts his, uh, puts her husband Uriah on the front lines of battle. He gets killed and, and David just kind of continues on, right? He's just sort of thinking it's all swept under the rug. And the Lord has to raise up Nathan, the prophet, to come to David. And what is Nathan? Nathan comes to David and says, listen, let me tell you a little story here. There was a man, a rich man, had everything he needed. And, and then there's another man, a, a poor man, only had one little lamb that he kind of took in as a pet, Right? for himself. Well, a visitor comes into town and the rich man wants to have a banquet for this visitor. Instead of taking from his own livestock, he goes to that man and takes the only thing he's got, takes that lamb, sacrifices it to feed this visitor. And David is just shocked that somebody would do that. And it says in 2 Samuel 12, verse five, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And what does Nathan do? David, you're that man. You've overlooked this in your own life and yet you're quick to cast judgment and to be very harsh towards somebody else that I'm giving you an analogy of. And the reality is you're the very one that's done that. You had everything and yet you took one man's wife for yourself. And you see how easy it is to overlook those faults in our lives but no doubt stand up against those faults in other people's lives. And that's that idea of being very judgmental and being careful that we need to evaluate ourselves first. We need to look at ourselves before we're quick to point the finger at others or come alongside others and say, Lord, is this an area in my life that I need to sort out too? Is this something that I haven't addressed in me? And we need to recognize how off we really are because we like to put ourselves up on the pedestal when in reality, we have to see ourselves as flawed, 
and simply recipients of the grace of God. It's the only reason by which we can continue on. We're, we're flawed, so we need to look at ourselves and go, Lord, deal with me. Deal with me first. Help me to see what's going on in my life. Max Lucado said it this way, and I love that here. He says, we aren't good enough to judge. Can the hungry accuse the beggar? Can the sick mock the ill? Can the blind judge the deaf? In the same way, can the sinner condemn the sinner? Absolutely not. He goes on to say, be careful, because the Peter who denies Jesus at tonight's fire may proclaim him with fire at tomorrow's Pentecost. The Samson who is blind and weak today may use his final strength to level the pillars of godlessness. A stuttering shepherd in this generation may be the mighty Moses of the next. Don't call Noah a fool, because you may be asking him for a lift. So true, isn't it? How quick we're ready to label people and judge people when in reality we're like, nah, God's not done with them yet. And God's not done with me yet. And I need to realize that there's still work to be done in my life and how I need to operate in grace and not be walking in judgment towards others when in reality I'm seeing that, man, those are tendencies that I easily have. Here's another reason why we need to be slow to judge. Not only that when we judge, we too will be judged or our judgment is off because we're off. But thirdly, we don't often know the whole story. Isn't that true? We oftentimes make a judgment call based on just the immediate things that we see at first glance. And oftentimes there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that we don't even know. We see that more and more today in the, in the age of social media and where you know, news reports are coming out. Look at the, the tensions that go on today where you see, oh, this policeman has just completely you know, mistreated this person. And then you see a little snippet of it. And right away, you're quick to go, oh my goodness, how could somebody do that? And you cast your judgment. Weeks later, the full clip comes out and you realize, oh man, there's a whole lot more going on there that I didn't know at first. And how I need to be slow to go, I need the whole story. And I oftentimes don't get the whole story. And ultimately, only God knows the whole story. And how we need to be careful to lead that judgment to him. Jesus himself said in John 7, 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. Make sure that you know the truth the facts, the whole story. Do things rightly. And ultimately, God is the righteous judge. And now we need to be careful not to cast judgment too quickly. There's a company that put out some commercials on this very theme, Don't Judge Too Quickly. They did a great job, and we're gonna play one of those right now for you. Yes, don't judge too quickly. Oftentimes what you see at first glance is not really what's going on there. And we need to do a little, little inquiry and get a little, little understanding here. Now, as I said earlier, there's times not to judge, but then Jesus opens the way for us as we move through this text to see that there are times where we do need to judge, but do so rightly. Notice what Jesus said in, in verse five. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, there are times where we need to come alongside one another in grace and mercy. And we need to, 
if they're a, a, a believer and they're, they're walking in like just, you know, known sin, well, out of love, we want to say, that's not the Lord's best for you. We don't want to see you go out down that path. And, and you might come along and say, listen, that's something that's kind of in violation of God's word. Now, they might be quick to say, don't judge me. But all you're doing is, is just bringing them in line with the word of God to say, well, I'm not judging you. It's what the word of God points out here. I'm just, I'm just trying to reveal what Jesus, what the Lord has told us to do. And we do so in love and grace and, and understanding that I'm no, I'm no better. These are things that I might struggle with as well. And so in judgment, we need to deal with ourselves, take care of our issues, take care of our sin, and then we will see more clearly how to deal with other people around us here. Don't judge her. She didn't know that her phone was going to be on. Don't judge. We're, we don't judge you, sister. <laughs> oh, my poor friend. All right. So here's what we do. We, we are careful not to judge discriminately, but discerningly. We seek to discern. We don't judge condemningly. We come alongside compassionately and point people to the Lord. And our next verse makes this even more apparent how we are called to judge. Look at what we read in verse six. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Here's our third point in our message here, our responsibility to unbelievers. Now, reading that at first glance, just on its own, you would look at that verse and be scratching your head wondering, what in the world is this talking about? But in line with the, and in context, and context is everything when you're studying through God's word, when you look at it in context and you see these verses that come beforehand, you realize Jesus is pointing us to what's, how we judge, how we not judge, all these things. And now he brings us to this point, which is again, lining up for us how to judge correctly or when we might need to judge. See, he says, do not give what is holy to the dogs. To give the things that are holy would be to give those things that are set apart for God, those things that are of God. Uh, an example would be, you know, the, the holy scriptures, right? These are holy, sacred things. And he says, do not give those to, to others. And the idea is to those that are completely opposed to God and to the things of God. Dogs and pigs, you see, were despised by the Jews in this day. In fact, Paul would write in Philippians 3, too, beware of dogs, and beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. He, he ties in these people who are enemies of the gospel, calling them dogs. So Paul, uh, Jesus is saying, don't give what is you know, holy to the dogs or cast your pearls before swine. In other words, he's saying, don't give those things that are reserved for those that are ready to receive them, that want them. Don't pass them on to those that are just going to abuse that, defame it, that are, are going to just look to you know, engage in just needless arguments as enemies of the gospel and are looking to devour those things. Know when to judge and when to make a call to say, I'm not gonna do that. Now, here's the thing. Don't take this as license to go, yeah, so now I'm just gonna be very choosy with who I share the gospel with. Like you're looking around going, I think that person might be ready. Yeah, I, th I think maybe I'll try sharing with them. That person over there, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't think they're ready. They don't look very good. I'm not gonna share the gospel. We don't do that. We don't, we don't be choosy. We give the gospel to everybody. We want everybody to hear. 
But we recognize those people that are having that kind of hidden agenda where their desire is to rail against the gospel, to, to you know, defame the name of the Lord. And those people, we, we make a judgment call and say, I'm not gonna engage in that. I'm not gonna have anything to do that because it's only gonna make matters worse oftentimes, which is basically what Jesus is saying. They trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. They're gonna, they're gonna look to even attack you. Now, Jesus shared elsewhere in scripture how we're to bring this kind of judgment into play. When he talked to his disciples, he said, beware of the Pharisees. And here's what he said in Matthew 15, verse 14. Leave them, he says, about the Pharisees. These religious leaders who were really just not wanting to follow the word of God. He said, leave them. They're blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will follow in a pit. He said, disciples, you need to be discerning. And know when to make that call. Here's John now, John, the apostle of love, who's all about, let's come together, let's embrace one another, let's just join hands and sing kumbaya, let's love one another. Even John, the apostle of love, says in 2 John, verses 10 and 11, he says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in this wicked work. So John himself says, you need to know when to withdraw from people and, and when to engage in people. Now, that makes things a little bit tough, perhaps, for some of us who are looking at this going, okay, so you're telling me that there's times where we do judge and we discern, and there's times where we don't practice judgment, there's times where we embrace people, and there's times where we don't embrace people. How do I know when to do it? How do I know the difference? Well, look at the flow of this message that Jesus gives because he gives us the answer next. It says in verse seven, as we look at our responsibility to the Lord now, number four, look at verse seven, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Here's what Jesus tells us to do. Pray about it. Seek me. Turn to me. See, the Sermon on the Mount certainly gives us a reality check that the citizens of the kingdom are not gonna be able to carry out this kingdom way through their own abilities or efforts. These are things that are requiring a supernatural work in our lives that is beyond ourselves. We need help from above. And this is what prayer does. Prayer is a way of saying, Lord, I need your help to do what I'm unable to do myself. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord knows that we're, we're pathetic, that we're un unable to make it on our own. So he invites us in. He gives us these verses to say, come and seek me. He invites us in through prayer. And this is spoken in a way where Jesus is saying, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Let it be something you do daily. This isn't something you say, well, 20 years ago I asked for help and so I'm just, just kind of in cruise control, just keeping on going. No, he says, let this be a daily thing that you do where you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking because you daily need to recognize your need for the Lord's help in your life. I need that daily and how we need to ask of the Lord. It's been ongoing action. And here's the great thing is that he's a good God who desires to answer our prayers and bless us. Now, it's important that we qualify this a little bit here this morning because we might be tempted to interpret these verses as though, you know, God's just giving us a blank check that whatever we ask for, he's just got to do. Well, you said it. Keep on asking. In fact, some people interpret these verses to mean if we keep on asking, and just asking the same thing, you know, Lord, I really need that new car. And I keep asking, Lord, please, you know, a nice, 
you know, Mercedes could be nice too, but just Lord, I need that new car. And we keep asking, we keep on knocking that if we just be persistent that the Lord is eventually gonna relent because he's just like, man, you're just wearing me out. I better just give this to you, right? Sometimes we think if we just pray really loud, right? I, I grew up with, with people that, that when they prayed, man, it was like, we really are gonna move God now. We're gonna pray loud. And in fact, we're gonna throw in some King James language, you know, Lord, we beseech thee in the name. And, and it's like, you pray like that so the Lord's like, oh, okay, you got my attention now. I'm really gonna, man, you're using King James. I gotta give you what you're asking for now, right? And we think that way sometimes that we're gonna move God by praying really fervently and loudly. This isn't the idea that, you know, persistently just keep just, you know, hounding God. No, listen, God is sovereign and he's gonna do what he chooses to do. His will is always gonna prevail. We don't pray to get God moved in line with our will. We pray so that our will becomes in line with God's. So we get God's heart. So we say, Lord, I wanna follow you. I wanna follow your will. I wanna be that obedient Christian that's, that's carrying out this kingdom way that you've laid out so well for us here. That's what prayer does. And it reveals that, Lord, we, we can't do this on our own. We need you. Help us. And, and if we're praying in according to God's will, and that's why we pray in the name of Jesus, when you hear that, again, people take that on their prayer. So this is some kind of like magical formula. Now it's like, in the name of Jesus, we pray. It's like, oh boy. And again, if you shout that a little bit more octaves higher than what you've done in the other prayers, it's like, you say that name of Jesus, boom, it's like, it's gold, it's gotta happen. But no, when we pray in the name of Jesus, it's simply meaning that we're praying in line with his will, his character, his heart. Lord, we want our prayers to be in accordance with who you are and what you desire. And that's what we do. And, and those prayers that are prayed in, in line with his will, man, those are the prayers that God loves to answer. God desires the best for us and his will is for our best. Look at the grace and the goodness of God here in verse nine. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, as earthly fathers, we understand that we're, we're flawed. And yet Jesus points out something here. And what he does is he makes this argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, if you, as earthly fathers who are kind of evil, right? And, and by saying that, he just means like you're flawed. You know, you're still dealing with sin, you still have shortcomings. That's all, that's all it's meant there. And yet with you and your shortcomings, still know how to give good things to your children that ask. Jesus says, how much more do you think your heavenly father is gonna give good things to those that ask? Because our God is a benevolent, good, loving, gracious God who desires to bless you. Amen. It's a God that we serve. And, and that, and that is, is exercised again as we seek him, as we come to him. As you say, Lord, you're the giver of all good things. Every good blessing comes from you. Amen. And if as earthly fathers, we, I mean, you all know what that's like, dads, right? Moms, when your children ask for something, right? You're like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna bless you. I wanna give to you. When they ask for water, you don't give them, you know, a cup of vinegar, right? I mean, there was one time, right, that I, you know, it's like April Fool's Day or something, but it was, you know, it was fun. But typically, you're going to give them what they want, right? You, you love them. And, and, and your love for your children pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. 
and he desires to bless you. These verses are meant to fill us with confidence to come to the Lord when we are in need of help to say, God, would you help me? Would you supply for me what I lack in and of myself? I need you to do that work in me. And I love Luke's parallel passage of the same account when in Luke's gospel he says, if you be need, eat you will father's not to get good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? That's what Luke points out as being the, the necessity for the life of the believer. Is he empowering the Holy Spirit again, recognizing I don't have what it takes to live this out in and of myself, but that's why we're, we're, we become a new creation. We're, we're born again. It's to be born in the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit filling us, but then that ongoing filling and overflowing of the Spirit, where the fruit of the Spirit is love, where we begin to live these things out now for one another. And Jesus points out, next verse here, our last verse today, as we look at our responsibility to the world, Jesus points out now how this should be effective and, and, and seen and evident in our lives by those that are, are living according to the Spirit here. He says in verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule, right, that um, many people, again, love to kind of look at and say, well, I live by the golden rule, right? Uh, Many see this is just kind of a summary of all that we've looked at so far in chapter seven. Many believe it's all uh, really a summary of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. But this was something that was kind of well-known even in this day that Jesus was speaking this. Um, rabbi Hillel, famous rabbi, even gave the, the principle of this 100 years prior, but he gave it in the negative. And he said this. He said, what is hateful to you? Do not do to your fellow creatures. So there was that idea like, okay, you don't want something done to you, don't do it to them. And so now your life was kind of being ruled by, I'm gonna abstain from that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back away from that. I'm gonna try to not do certain things. But then Jesus comes, he flips this around. And he puts us now on a more proactive level. William McDonald said this, Jesus goes beyond passive restraint to active benevolence. Because Christianity is not simply a matter of absence from sin, it is positive goodness. There's a big difference there now. Because Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to be focused on not doing things. I want you to look at what you can do and how you can be a blessing to others. Living out this Christ-likeness in your life. Living out these attributes, these characteristics as citizens of the kingdom of God. And the idea here that that this is the law and the prophets, again, whenever you heard that term, it was, it was symbolic of the, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And what Jesus is saying is, is this kind of fulfills, you know, the moral teachings that you'll find in the Old Testament. Paul would write in Romans 13, verse nine, he says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, if you want to wrap up, if you want to sum up really the heart of the law, here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, here's, here's the whole of the law and the prophets. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here again, he kind of ties it in. Do in others. Serve one another, bless one another. And when you're doing that, you're gonna be really fulfilling the, the heart of God, the heart of his word here. When you have people seeking 
the best for others, looking to do good on others. Can you imagine the, the way that that would change our society? Boy, you turn on the news these days and you see what's going on in the cities around the world. You go, ah, I don't see any of that. I mean, yeah, there's places you'll see that, but typically we see just kind of the animosity that's running amok. People just hurting and abusing one another. Jesus, that's not the way it's to be for believers. Do good, serve one another, bless one another. God gave his best for us in giving us his son. And he calls his followers to say, I'm looking to you to, to give your best, to live sacrificially, to live not for yourself, but to benefit and bless others. Amen. In the context of fulfilling the scriptures, that provides a handy summary of the righteousness that's to be displayed in the kingdom. As the Sermon on the Mount points out this kingdom way for us here today. Well, let's pray. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come and uh, just lead us in a song. Would you guys stand with me today? And let's just seek the Lord here for these very things and ask him to do that work in our lives and in our hearts that we need done. Lord, thank you so much for today and for your word here that we get to look at and study through. And Jesus, you just pointed out some very practical things for us. Help us to see, Lord, how often we can be very judgmental and we can discriminate or we can be critical and negative. Forgive us for that, Lord. Forgive me when I've acted that way. Help me to see, Lord, that I'm, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm just simply a sinner saved by grace. Help me to walk in love, compassion, and grace with others. Help our church, Lord, to respond that way one with another and to live that out in the world around us. Thank you, Lord, for prayer. Thank you that we can come to you when we don't know what to do or when we feel powerless to live these things out, Lord, you've given us the avenue of prayer to say, I need help, Lord. Would you do that work in me that I can't do myself? And Lord, I pray that you would fill us, strengthen us, pour your spirit into us and overflow in us, Lord, that we might live this kingdom life that you've set out for us here. Lead us on, Lord, in your ways and in your truth. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing and worship the Lord here. <laughs>